Oh, good afternoon, everyone. I am fired up. It's Dave Meltzer here with Off Towers, and I have my mentor session here. I have my mentor, learn.blamebartlett.com forward slash LMM. Blaine Bartlett, an incredible leader, compassionate capitalist himself. He is the soul of business, the mindset mastermind, has taught me so much. Carried down from another one of our mentors who I want to give a shout out to, Bob Proctor, who passed away last week. Uh, a great influence on all of us and a friend of all of us and even makes uh, Ken Blanchard, our special guest today with Randy Conley. It looks like makes Bob Proctor makes Ken Blanchard look young, even though he's written 65 books. Uh, and I'm not misspeaking there. We we have serious legends from the simple truth of leadership.com. Ken Blanchard and Randy Conley, it's an honor to have you here with my other mentor, David Meltzer, here with Office Hours. Thank you guys for joining us. It's a real pleasure. Well, we don't have enough time to have you guys yeah. on here because, uh, you know, <laughs> next to Jan Canfield, I can't imagine anyone selling more books uh, and impacting and influencing more people than you can. And Randy, you have to deliver it to a modern day world of technology. Um, yeah. And the Ken Blanchard companies are incredible. Uh, Ken, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Obviously, the world has changed a little bit after you've written these 65 books. Uh, I am a big fan, obviously, of your iconic book uh, that everybody, uh, the One Minute Manager, uh, has read that led to such success. But how do you see technology today enhancing, amplifying, or perpetuating your content, or do you see it diminishing its capacity? Well, I see it, David, just uh, enhancing it because with Zoom, look what we can do. Uh, you know, people can... Uh, can't say they can't meet with their people, uh, you know, because they could just zoom in, you know, because one of the things Peter Drucker taught me years ago, he said, nothing good happens by accident, put some structure on it. And so we've said to managers for a long time, if you really want to have a relationship with your people, you ought to spend 15 to 30 minutes at least once every two weeks on a one-on-one, -on -one, you schedule a meeting and they set the agenda. And now, that's really easy. But if you met with your people 26 times a year, you'd know them and they would know you. So there's no excuse. I don't have to travel much now. I just zoom away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you guys have got a new book out, Ken. Um, yeah. Simple Truths of Leadership, 52 Ways to Be a Servant Leader and Build Trust. The idea here, I, I, and I love yeah, the, the thesis of the book, and I, you know, the question I've got has to do with, you know, something that I, yeah, yeah, happened for me, you know, yeah, literally years ago when I was leading leadership programs with Nokia uh, back in the late 1990s, uh, and some of the work that I did with Junior Chamber International, and in your your model on um, situational leadership, and. Could you contrast just real quickly the migration that has occurred between that content, situational leadership, to where you're at today, with uh, with this newest book and, and the thesis on that on that on that book? Well, it's interesting, uh, you know, because when you look at we call it SL two now, our situational approach to effective leadership. If you look at that and the one minute manager and all, they came before I really got into. Uh, servant leadership. And I got into servant leadership because one of my first jobs, I went to Ohio University and Vern Alden was a, a friend of Bob Greenleaf. And he invited him to come and work with the students for a weekend. And my wife Margie and I were working with the students. 
and we got to spend a weekend with Bob Greenleaf. And, and of course, he's considered the modern day father of servant leadership was a great AT&T mm-hmm. executive and then uh, and started. And then what I realized is that the SL2 and the one minute manager are servant leadership in action. Because when I initially talked to people, Dave, and, and all about servant leadership, they think I'm talking about the inmates running the prison or trying to please everybody and all. They don't realize there's two parts of servant leadership. One is the leadership part, which is about vision, direction, values, and goals, because leadership is about going somewhere. And that's the responsibility of the hierarchy. It doesn't mean you don't involve your people, but if they don't know what they're being asked to do and what good behavior looks like, shame on you. But once that's clear, now you go to the servant part of servant leadership, turn the pyramid upside down, and now you work for them, and your job is to help them win. So in both SL2 and and the one-minute manager, what's the first prerequisite? One-minute goal setting. One-minute goal setting. And then once the goals are clear with SL2, then you together analyze development level and determine whether they need a directing, coaching, supporting, or delegating style. With with the one-minute manager, you wander around and catch them doing something right and give them a one-minute praising. Or or we actually rewrote the one-minute manager a few years ago to because it was a little too top-downy, and we changed the one-minute reprimand to one-minute redirects, which is much more (laughs) – because the people today, I think, Dave, are interested – in side-by-side leadership, not top-down. It's really interesting you say that because you have to also exemplify that uh, with your son as a leader and Randy as a leader in the company. And one of the words that's a key component, uh, both Glenn and I wrote a book that's right behind him, Compassionate Capitalism and Dealing with Merchant Servants and uh, Servant Leaders, uh, is an intelligent follower uh, as a leader, Mm -hmm. someone who builds that trust by being more interested than interesting and randy i can imagine it must be difficult enough to work with a, a legend a hall of famer uh it, it, even amazon made him a hall of famer i think of the best authors of all time but also i know and blessed to know uh his son who you work closely with as well um but there has to be a, a lot of trust because you're responsible for delivering uh you know a, a lot of important content and keeping the integrity of you know, generations of information that not only will transcend through people like Blaine and I as leaders, uh, but the people who we teach uh, to be leaders as well. And mm-hmm. so for you, that word trust, Randy, probably takes on a dynamic role in leadership. And I know your most recent book is about building trust. How do you yeah. define trust and what have you learned from the Blanchards about how we build trust as servant leaders? Yeah, well, I would say it's really not difficult working with Ken. I mean, it has been the true pleasure of a lifetime. I've been affiliated with Ken for over 25 years, and uh, I couldn't ask for a more wonderful career, you know, than to work with the Blanchards. And uh, trust is at the heart of everything that we teach, everything that we believe about leadership. You know, Ken has said for years that if you think you're leading and no one's following, then you're just out for a walk, right? <laughs> and it's all about creating followership. And you guys know more than anyone else gets down to trust. Do your people trust you to have their best interests at heart? Are you there to serve or be served? And that's one of the simple truths that we uh, mention in the book is 
Are you there to serve or be served? Are you a serving leader or a self-serving leader? And trust is not something that just sort of magically happens like some sort of relationship osmosis. It's a skill that you can learn and develop. And if you use the behaviors that are associated with being a high trust leader, you'll build trust. It's pretty common sense, but not common practice, which is why we wrote the book and why we try to keep encouraging leaders to put these principles into action. You know, yeah, one of the ways that I've, you know, in the work that I've done, uh, and David and I both do this, uh, all, all an organization is, is a collection of people that are in relationship. At the end of the day, that's all it is. And if the relationships are working well, you got a pretty good shot at being successful. But a lot of the leaders that I've worked with historically over the last, uh, you know, three, four decades, relationship building and relationship quality has not been on their radar yeah, as, as, no. a, as, a, as a singular focus. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be curious here, you know, 52 ways to build trust. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have time for this, obviously. Uh, but yeah, if you could take as much time as you need in the next three minutes to tell us what those 52 ways are. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll zoom through all 52 in the next three minutes. No. You know, the key thing, uh, Blaine and, and David, is dealing with your ego. Uh, and, you know, we said ego is edging God out or everything good outside, but what it does, that gets you to focus on yourself, either with false pride where you have a more than philosophy or fear or self-doubt when you had a less than philosophy, mm-hmm. but you're focusing on yourself. And when your ego is in the way, it's hard for you to be a servant leader because it's all about you. And uh, so we've even started a 12-step Egos Anonymous uh, program <laughs> You'll get a kick out of it. We got some CEOs that when they have their their weekly meeting with their people, they start with an Egos Anonymous meeting and everybody has to stand up one at a time. And you'll know it's, you know, kind of voluntary, <clears throat> but you stand up and say, hi, I'm Ken. And everybody goes, hi, Ken. And then you have to say, I'm an egomaniac. And then you have to talk about either a false pride or a fear of self-doubt that got in your way that week and we always say to the people, if you can't think of one time this week when your ego got in the way, you lied about you lie about other things too. <laughs> so, I love that. It's so true, right? I one of the biggest paradigm shifts that Blaine helped me through myself to be a better leader was to instead of this zero sum game that I was taught by our friend in San Diego, Mike Bosworth, you know, people like Zig Ziglar and, and Dennis Waitley, all of all of the great in the scarce sales mode of, you know, just understanding the zero sum game that we have to give to receive a negotiation, a trade, a quid pro quo, a walk away from the sale if you're not ready to walk away from a sale and all these different psychological things that relate to a zero sum game. And when I read the new stuff uh, that you have and, the, the servant leader is an abundant leader of a value add system. And mm-hmm. one of the things that rings true that I try my best to articulate in a quantitative manner is how do we teach people to ask for help? Talk about egos anonymous. You know, our, we, we are already happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. We need to figure out what we're doing to interfere with it. And the only way to get rid of that is to ask for help from maybe even someone that sits in a situation that we already, you know, want to be in and be able to use that humility uh, of receiving and not just from other people, but I'm a faith uh, driven person. I believe there is an omniscient, all powerful, all knowing source that I love to ask for help from. 
because I know that that source loves me more than my mom loves me. And I know growing up as a little Jewish kid, my mom overloves me. So I know the source overloves me too, but actually knows what they're talking about. How important is it today to ask for help? Oh, it's critically important because it shows vulnerability on behalf of the leader, mm -hmm. right? Everybody knows that you're not perfect, right? You, we just pretend that we have it all together, right? We wear the mask. We act like we've got it all together. Everybody knows we don't. And so the moment that leaders open the kimono a little bit, you know, metaphorically speaking, we don't recommend you do that in actual practice, you know, but, you know. Maybe being, on Zoom if you have a high enough view, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's okay to work in your pajamas, but not your birthday suit, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, open up a little bit. Be a little vulnerable. Share information about yourself. Let people see that you're a real person. That goes tremendous lengths in building trust with people because they know you're authentic, you're genuine, you're real. What they see is what they get. Um, so I wholeheartedly agree with you, David. Ask for help. Let people you know. know that, that idea of vulnerability. I, I, I love that, uh, Randy. Yeah. Yeah. In my experience, yeah, people will, um, they, the idea that a leader has to be certain, has to be perfect, has to have it together, and has to have the answers. Uh, you know, people will, you know, we, we disconnect with certainty and we connect with vulnerability. Yes, and it's that I disconnection that. with certainty that, you know, that I find leaders run into a lot. And that's where trust starts to erode. Yes. There's no place for, for somebody to connect with, uh, yeah. you know, who it is that they're interacting with and, and actually who their livelihood is depending on in many cases. Yeah, that's so, I, so true. I wrote a book with Colleen Barrett, who <clears throat> took over presidency of Southwest when Herb Keller stepped down. And one of her favorite sayings is people admire your skills, but they love your vulnerability. And a mm -hmm. lot of people think if you're mm -hmm. vulnerable and you admit even mistakes and and uh, that you're human and all the people say, why are they the leader? No, Colleen and I, and I think everybody that's, that's been successful as the servant leader has found that people look at that and say, wow, this is going to be a fun place to work because we can all share because none of us are, are is as smart as all of us is one of our favorite sayings. And, and uh, but uh, I love that whole thing about people admire your skills, but they love your vulnerability, which is not seen as a weakness, it's seen as the strength. You know, yeah. you, you both are such great leaders and also are constantly learning. You know, leaders are constantly learning and with open minds, open hearts and open hands, it accelerates what we learn. And to not be afraid of being a hypocrite beyond vulnerability is, you know, I imagine you know, I know I have, I'm 54, but you know, Ken, I imagine you've changed your mind and your opinion about a few things over the years uh, that you thought may have been close to the truth way back when that you're like, wow, I, I really must have gotten that wrong. I, I know I have as a parent uh, taken on that role. So I was curious with the accelerated change of the pandemic uh, where we've accelerated a lot of the changes into a period of two years that may have taken 20 years in some mm -hmm. industries, careers, or jobs. Um, did either of you, Randy or Ken, come up with some epiphany of hypocrisy where you were like, oh my gosh, I was so wrong about this. Is there something you can share with us of a lesson that was learned because of the accelerated change that occurred? Well, you know, I recently celebrated the 61st anniversary of my 21st birthday, so... <laughs> <laughs> I've been around a while, 
And uh, I, I loved, I worked on a book with Norman Vincent Peale. He was 86 years old at the time. Wow. And he said to me, which has been so powerful in my life, he said, Ken, if you stop learning, lie down and let them throw the dirt on you because you're already dead. And uh, I think a lot of people who, quote, retire, what often happens to them. I wrote a book with Mort Shavitz here called Refire, Don't Retire, Make the Rest of Your Life the Best of Your Life. And we want to keep on in, individually, you know, upping the ante and what can I learn and and all. And so uh, I've learned over these 82 years that, just, that I'm not the brightest bulb in town. <laughs> you know, my mother used to say, why don't you write a book by yourself? Because of 65 books I've written, I've only written two by myself, one on golf. So many people helped my golf game. I didn't know who to write it with and my spiritual journey. <laughs> but I'm just excited about learning from people, you know, people like like Colleen and, and uh, you know, uh, the uh, Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A and, you know, Gary Rich from WD-40. WD-40. Yeah. It's, it's just... Uh, fun to learn from people. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, guys, one of the things, I don't think it's something new that I learned, but it was a great reminder during the pandemic. And that is the overwhelming importance of relationships, you know, as it relates to being a leader, right? Um, when I work with groups, I'll often put three words on a flip chart. I'll put results and relationships. And I'll ask the group, which of these words is most important? You know, and half the group will say results is most important, right? It's like scoreboard, baby. We're, we're here to win, right? And then the other half will say, well, I, I think results, right? I mean, relationships, because that's, we got to have people to get the result. And there's always a few wise people that say, I think the word and is the most important. And I'm like, uh -huh. yes, it's the power of the and, right? Servant leaders understand it's both results and relationships. And, you know, too many leaders focus just on results. And if anything, the yeah. pandemic has taught us is it's about people, right? You got to prioritize relationships. That will lead to the results that we all want for our teams. So that, that's yeah. been a big learning for me the last couple of years. Well, I'm going to have to have you back on my other shows. We have a Bloomberg television show and an Apple TV show. We have multiple shows, so we need to amplify your wisdom and promote all of the books, not just the new one, especially. I know there's 65 of those. And I'm glad I'm on the right track, uh, Ken. I, I wrote a book with Blaine. I wrote a book with Jack Canfield. Uh, Blaine, by the way, if you, ever, you want to write another book, Blaine's the best person in the world to write a book with because basically he writes the whole book and then he comes to you with questions. And uh, he, it's like, you know, unbelievable. And they put your name on it as if you did all the work. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And he's a great source of education. You both uh, are welcome back VIPs. I know you're in the Hall of Fame of Amazon and other places as great leaders, speakers, uh, thought leaders in the world. But you're in our Hall of Fame and in the Hall of Fame of our hearts uh, for all that you've done to impact other people to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for being such great leaders. And please reach out to us if you need anything. We definitely want you on more of our shows. Thank you for honoring us. Well, we thank you. And we're appreciated. We're excited about this new book because it's not about you. It's about we. And, yeah. you know, when you're 52, you can take one a week with your people 
and go over it and work with it because it's not this book isn't for you it's for you and as randy's saying and your people i love it beautiful thank you so much we'll have you back soon and i look forward to having you on my tv show with blaine as well thanks so thank much you guys really take care guys awesome wow i thought i thought you were going to be the legend again today but how blessed were we uh to have those two on the show that is, I love. I saw that come across the uh, the desk yesterday, and I went, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I, 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 I got Ken Blanchard's in the house, team, right? Kudos to our team. You know, years ago when we started this show to help yeah. people, uh, who'd ever thought we'd have the world thought leaders join us? The Deepak Chopras, the Sad Gurus, the Ken Blanchards, and Randy Conleys, the Jack Canfields. The list will go on and on and on. And no wonder Office Hours is on Bloomberg, on Apple TV. And speaking of TV, this next guest, you may not know his name today, but when he celebrates his 61st anniversary of his 21st birthday, I promise you his impact will be just as great. Um, He may not look as handsome when he's 82, but he certainly has been a major impact in my life. Um, Brian Candrella is a true, as we say, humanitarian and abundant thinker president of Stacks Bowers Galleries, uh, but truly an entrepreneur. Uh, he has invested in his community and himself, um, had a great business and uh, thought beyond his own business as, as well, author, leader. But, you know, for me, it's just incredible because, you know, as everybody else was just trying to hold on, he, he was looking for opportunity. And I always say a third of the people are going to do extremely well. A third of people stay the same and a third of people are going to get destroyed when change happens. And he falls into the first group. He built what I think is the premier television and movie studio called Griffin Studios in Orange County, right by South Coast Plaza. Um, Really put his money where his mouth is from his super uh, successful business uh, that he has in the the coin and collectibles business. Uh, Welcome to Office Hours, Brian Kendrella. David, thank you. I uh, appreciate that intro. That was that was a lot more than uh, you, you boosted me up quite a bit. I'm not sure that's all true, but I appreciate it. Well, just you're on the same show as Ken Blanchard. Need, need you say more, right? That, that's an impressive list to, to be on for sure. We, we could edit this down and we could have some great, great stuff for you. So uh, anyway, I, you know, I, I want to talk about initially the mindset uh, when you're in a business and the pandemic hits and you have a multi-million dollar collectible business that is primarily, you know, an auction type of business, you know, how do you go from survival to thrival, you know, thriving and building something that's, you know, a testament to business in and aligned with what's truly utilized today, media? Yeah, I, I think that when when the pandemic hit, you know, like, like everybody, we had no idea what to expect. Um, and, uh, it was really (laughs) gave me a lot of these gray hairs that I, that I have here today. You know, that, that first, uh, that first 90 days or so we, we had an auction scheduled for, you know, I remember, and you guys probably remember too, where you were when, when this kind of started happening, um, you know, the NBA started canceling games and you had the whole Rudy Gobert, you know, situation and, and, you know, that was kind of, as I remember, the first the first domino. Um, and we had an auction scheduled for. I mean, it was days after that. So let's say the week after kind of the world started to unravel and things started to shut down as we were trying to figure out what we were dealing with. 
and it was actually scheduled to be on the east coast well the east coast calls us and they say you know sorry you guys can't do this anymore and at the same time our employees are freaking out and and so we relocate the auction here to to southern california we rented out this beautiful venue at the the lido house hotel that's you know this brand brand new hotel that opened up and and you know the show the show must go on and, and we literally plugged in the very last piece of our our equipment and the hotel comes over and they says sorry you know california said you can't have any gatherings pack your stuff up you got to go and um we said okay you know all right this we're going to try you know round number three and we pivoted and and luckily in our in our old location there was you know kind of an empty office space um and and we set up our auction in, in there you know set up all the equipment ran, ran internet lines you know through the halls across because uh, this was a dead you know not lit office and um we we went we went to all of our biggest customers we said you guys got to be here we're going to take care of you we went went and uh picked them up all around the country uh flooded the market with, with credit and had one of the most successful auctions of all time in the height of the uncertainty the stock market's plunging and um you know it's really a famous uh a famous sale in, in our little community of, of numismatics and and um you know we we had to we had to, to move forward our business has been um around since since 1933 and uh and uh, over that entire course of, of history almost 100 years we've we've canceled or postponed one auction and, and that was a sale that was going to be held in new york the week after 9 11. and and the market is robust enough and, and we have tools at our disposal to to support things and you know that's kind of how we had to, to pivot and and from then on i mean there wasn't a whole lot of time to to feel sorry for ourselves we had an obligation to our clients and our consigners and and they were expecting us to to do a job and and we went, you know, to the ends of the earth. I mean, we literally flew a jet around the country picking people up because it wasn't safe to get on a Southwest Airlines flight. It didn't feel that way at the time. Um, and uh, you know, since then we've been we've been here and we've been running and and um, you know, to to nobody's uh, you know, when when we looked in our crystal ball at that time back in March of, of 2020. The market's just taken off and uh we've been completely blessed to you know i kind of joke I, we, we're more during during COVID and the pandemic we were more in the the toilet paper business and then then you know maybe some of these you know the travel business that really got hurt i mean people were were really flocking to um collectibles in general uh gold and silver as as uh precious metal, a, a place of safety, um, and people had time on their hands and this incredible disposable income and, you know, hobbies took off. So um, we've been really blessed from that perspective. We, we leaned into it for sure, um, not quite knowing what was going to happen, but, um, you know, it, it was a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic outcome. And, and, you know, our business is, is transformed over the last two years for sure. I want to give you kudos real quick before Blaine asks his question because so many people are in the same situation where they were sitting on a gold mine, no pun intended, and they get that first slap in the face that said, nope, sorry, you can't do this here. Uh, instead of finding a way and saying, oh, yeah, try me, they went to the why me mindset and ended up closing down their business or selling their business for pennies on the dollars. Uh, and they literally were sitting on gold mine. And I even yeah. know 
uh, some used car people uh, that did, you know, the exact opposite that you do. And there's never been a better used car market in the history of used car market than there is still today. I'm trying to sell every single car I have my own hands on. Uh, just because, you know, so, some of them I bought, put 60,000 miles on it. I'm getting five, 10 grand on top of what I paid for it. I'll, I'll yep. wait it out. But, you know, I want to give you and, and point it out to everyone. This is a situation that is all mindset, you know, finding the try me attitude, not the why me attitude. Go go ahead, Ben. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. No, I mean, there, there's, there's, I want to absolutely echo what you're saying. You know, the, yeah, and you've heard me say this before, David. Yeah, you know, uh, Marcus Aurelius's famous you know, quotation about the obstacle being the way, and that that is a mindset. It's yeah, you know, this thing that just happened, I could beat my you know, rend my shirt and beat my chest and go, oh my god. Or it's kind of like there's an opportunity in here. I, I honest to God, I know there's a pony in here someplace. Yeah, you know, <laughs> let's let's kind of see what we can do with this. And um, that's I, I love hearing stories like this, uh, Brian, just specifically because it does illustrate that, yeah, th that notion of the obstacle is the way isn't theoretical BS. I mean, it really isn't. You look at it and you move away from a competitive mindset into a creative mindset. You move away from scarcity into abundance. You move away from oh my God, why me, the victim into, I'm responsible for the experience I have in my life. Let's go run with this and see where we yeah, end up. That dynamic is what entrepreneurs need to absolutely get in their DNA. And I yeah. love the way that you described it. I mean, you, you got creative with it and you bounced around and you, you know, flew jets around, you brought people in. And numismatics, you know, they've been around forever, collectibles. I mean, it's kind of like you're right in the middle of it. Yeah, I, I, that as much as they're just, uh, yeah, just me, yeah, me, me pontificating here right now. But I, I love what you're talking about. Yeah, I'd say the only the only thing I would add is that that it was scary as all hell. I mean, you know, it was a it was one of those situations where, um, you, you know, I, I think we felt confident in what we can deliver, and we knew we knew our customer base, and we knew what our our consigners needed that they put their trust in us to to you know with their with their property to, to sell it for the most the most amount of money that we can um and but we had to you know we had to throw a little bit of gas on the fire and it, and it was scary and we had to you know have have a great sense of conviction that we really did know what our customers you know could do and um uh you know again hindsight 2020 it was you know it was the absolute right decision it worked out fantastic, um, but you know, I guess there was a chance we we could have gone down in flames too. Well, that's what risk is about. Yeah, yeah truly. Yeah, I love the fact logically, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, we've all been on roller coasters, you know, kind of that thing. Physiologically, yeah, fear. Oh my God, I'm going to die as this thing comes over the crest of this first little lump, and I see the blacktop coming right up at me. Heart starts beating, palms get sweaty, yeah, eyes dilate. Oh, fear. Flip that around on the other side. And there are people that kind of, they can't wait to get on that uh, roller coaster. And they experience excitement. Physiologically, there's no difference between fear and excitement. Absolutely no difference physiologically. The only difference is how I'm describing it. And embracing it is, I get a choice. I've got a choice about how I do this. I get paralyzed or I step into it. I lean, you use the word, I lean, we leaned into it. Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting because that frequency, I was with uh, Braxton Berrios. I'm here, you know, at the Super Bowl on Radio Row and, 
I know you're not going to like this, Brian, but Braxton Bears was uh, Notre Dame's famous uh, receiver and, 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 and running back. But he, he, anyway, we were talking about he, he's going to quit when he stops getting nervous or fearful before yeah. a game. I said, you don't get fearful. It's the frequency of excitement. Um, he also said about your book, Brian, I just have to say this. He wrote a children's book, The Trojan Alphabet, where he uses the USC football theme children book to teach the ABCs, you know. A is for All-American, B is for Band, C is for Coliseum, things like that. And I, I was giving out the copy uh, to some guys, and all, all the Notre Dame guys and the UCLA guys that I know were like, this is not a children's book. This is USC's graduate school program. And so I just wanted to throw that out there. Congratulations on on, on doing that for your school. We appreciate the, the new MBA ABC program. Uh, That's my brainwashing tool. That's my brainwashing tool for my for my children and uh, – you know, hopefully, hopefully some others out there. No. And, you know, just lastly, I, I have to throw this in and, you know, you're welcome to come to all our shows. We are huge uh, fans and beneficiaries of yours building that studio. So we were talking about leaning in, talking about, you know, he was scared as hell, but it didn't stop you from investing millions of dollars in building the state of the art studio in Orange County. Uh, which was desperately needed and now desperately has great timing and everyone you know around us at griffin studios thinks you're a genius but you know i am sure you know just as i've had other friends when you're bearing millions of dollars into a brand new studio in the middle of a pandemic and you don't really even have any content other than the collectibles show you know that's scary to me and i love the mm -hmm. fact that you allow people to laugh scoff and make fun of you and they always seem to end up applauding people like you. And I applaud you because also Meltzer Studios would not be anywhere without Griffin Studios. And I'm blessed to have it as our TV and, and movie studio uh, for us and all of our partners. So thank you for leaning in. Thank you for believing in yourself. Thank you for being an icon of investing in yourself, being a servant leader to the community in Orange County, especially. Uh, so where can people best reach out to you if they want to book the studios uh, or you know, utilize the Stacks Bowers galleries. Uh, yeah, thank you. So, um, as you have up on the screen there, that we've we've got a, a, a website that we've developed and and is in development uh, for Griffin Studios, GriffinStudios.com. Um, we we we've had a handful of of uh, folks use it besides us, um, and obviously you've been. Uh, one of our one of our key clients there, so we appreciate we appreciate you as well. Um, and uh, it's really you know this fantastic, uh, flexible and diverse space where we can we can host events, we can host uh, you know podcast, uh, live broadcast, um, commercials, all of that stuff. So it's got all the capabilities in the world. A lot more that that honestly I can't even say I, I completely comprehend. Me either. Uh, so we're excited to get get people in and get creative and see what what uh, what we can do in there. Um, so that's at Griffin Studios. Um, you can reach out to me regarding Griffin Studios um, or Stax Bowers Galleries, our uh, rare coin auction precious metals business. Um, my email is bk at stacks.com, S-T-A-C-K-S, um, and stacks uh, and sorry stacksbowers.com. Uh, is our, our website, S-T-A-C-K-S-B-O-W-E-R-S, stackspowers.com. And, and we have uh, also, <clears throat> we have physical locations. We have galleries um, across the country. You know, I'm based here in Southern California. 
We also have a, a gallery in uh, New York City on Park Avenue and 57th Street. Uh, we just opened up in Philadelphia, um, 17th Street and Market, right in city center. Uh, we'll be opening up in Boston probably late summer, um, right by Faneuil Hall. Fantastic spot we're really excited about. Uh, and then we have some other locations that are a little bit more sales office-y uh, uh, client meeting spaces, Hong Kong, Paris, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, Wolfboro, New Hampshire. Um, so we're kind of uh, within within reach of, uh, of a lot of folks out there. So we, we would love to, to meet with you in person. Thank you Beautiful. so much, Brian. I look forward to seeing you soon. Take care of yourself. Congratulations on all your success and absolutely a great closer to Ken Blanchard and Randy Connolly. So we had quite a set of threesome. I wish uh, my San Diego Padres had a lineup like I got today because we win the World Series. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Good to see you. Hey, Brad. Great to see you. Love Take it. Care. Brian Kendrell, check him out. Uh, like I said, multiple places, Griffin Studios or of course, uh, at Stacks Bowers. I didn't even know they had all those other locations. I, you know, when you're talking Paris, London, et cetera, and then you throw in uh, Tulsa. I like that combination. Anyway, we got to close it up. It's Super Bowl week, and I'm just getting started. You can imagine. I know you are. You're rocking and rolling here, buddy. Yeah. I, I had, believe it or not, while I was doing a board meeting today, I, I had a clubhouse with Marshall Falk. I was in and out of, I kept the lights dark while I was in my, uh, my board meeting. But I'm not going to expose myself or be too humble and uh, <laughs> exposing. Anyway, takeaway for the day. Three legends on board today. What's your takeaway? Well, um, 1933, yeah, Brian's firm got started. Okay, so we got longevity. Ken Blanchard's 81, got longevity in there. Um, the idea of longevity has to do with being able to actually consistently replicate myself over and over again. So, you know, and you've heard me talk about this. My definition of sustainable success is developing the capacity to continuously start over. And that's what I'm taking away from this. Ken has continuously started over. He's got 65 books out there, 25 million books sold. I mean, it's just crazy. And in numismatics, uh, I mean, it's not just, you know, the coin sales, but how, how they're actually structuring their, they're, they're starting over. They're, they're building the brand again and again and again. And then, you know, you throw in Griffin Studios on top of that. That's that's how we keep alive in life, uh, is we consistently find ways to build the capacity to start over again. One more time with feeling. Everything's invented twice, first as an idea, then in physical form. The form changes, but the idea, if you nurture it, it keeps showing up in a different form. And that's kind of where I'm going today. Yeah, and for me, just the blessing of leadership, not retiring as a leader, but repurposing as a leader and going back to the first mention of Bob Proctor, who taught me he was never going to retire and I should follow in he his didn't. footsteps as a leader to always repurpose my life with passion and profitability. Uh, and he was such a great leader of reconciling those in Ken Blanchard, Randy Conley. And we had three different generations from Brian to Randy to Ken all repurposing themselves continually being profits uh profit centers uh with passion and purpose tied into it and as i see the three generations the legacy of those who have learned from bob proctor to ken blanchard as you said 65 books 23 million copies to blaine bartlett to randy Connolly, and finally to the young brian kendrella making critical business issues uh, decisions uh with 
the vision that was created, I'm sure, by reading, you know, of these other gentlemen that we had on today, uh, we all are repurposing uh, to be passionate, purposeful, and profitable. Uh, so be a profit center, not a profit. You certainly have helped me do that in my career to empower other people and to give back. Thank you, Blaine, so much for joining. Check Blaine Bartlett out, learn.blainebartlett.com forward slash LMM, the mindset mastermind, my mentor and incredible friend. I'll see you next week, my friend. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Have a great weekend. All right, everyone. We appreciate you. It's uh, here today. It's uh, Super Bowl week. We will be all over the place um, starting tonight, tomorrow, the next day, the next day. Uh, so join us everywhere. Remember, be more interested than interesting. You know, one time I asked over 700 open-ended questions just to figure out how I could be of service or value to someone. Do not be the most interesting man in the world. Be the most interested in the world by being kind to your future self and doing good deeds. Please reach out to me if you need anything. David at dmelter.com. I want to thank my team, my friends, and my super guests today. Please join us. Uh, and we will see you soon. Remember, be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. David at dmelter.com. David at dmelter.com. We'll see you tomorrow at training. We got relationship training for July for Valentine's Day, February 14th. Relationship training tomorrow. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on there on all platforms. Be kind. Talk to you guys later. Thank you, Mikey. We'll see you soon.